Um, I'm always a happy lad when Steve Parrish was here, is here um, because I know it's going to be good. Um, we've had such guests over the years from the world of two-wheeled motorcycle racing. Freddie Spencer was here last, and as I said on the evening, joining us we had the late, great John Surtees, Agostini, Jim Redman, John McGuinness, Jamie Whittam, Ian Hutchinson, the list goes on. So will you please welcome our new recruit, Peter Hickman and Steve Parrish. Thank you. Right, down to me, is it, Steve? Um, good evening, and uh, lovely to be here. I always enjoy coming to Brooklands. There's always a lovely audience, and it's quite easy to get to when the traffic's not too bad. Um, interestingly, as I was walking in earlier, someone came up to me and said, do you rehearse these evenings? And the answer is categorically no, because I know neither Peter would or I would remember what we rehearsed, would we? No, so, not at all. I can assure you it's not at all rehearsed. We're basically going to have a chat about... I think another round of applause for the fastest ever road racer, <laughs> Peter Hickman. Yeah. <clears throat> one, three, five point four, five, two. Four, five, two. <laughs> <laughs> I've written it quite a lot the last few months. <laughs> Remember that one. Remember that one. Right, uh, we're going we're gonna to end up at that one, three, five point four, five, two. But we're going to start, I think, uh, as it's much easier and simpler for... Um, probably um, like-minded motorcyclists at the beginning. Your dad was a racer because I raced with him. Um, he was doing national British championships and everything else like that. And I understand briefly he didn't really want you to go racing. <laughs> More than briefly. <laughs> oh, right, okay. For a long period. Yeah, for a long period of time he didn't want me to go racing. So once his career had finished, um, he then became a development engineer and a mechanic for a number of teams uh, and a number of riders, including most famously, I guess, the, the JPS Norns and the, uh, the Rotary Norns in general, really. Him and Brian Crine worked together. They were kind of right and left-hand man, if you like. How old were you at that sort of period in his life? Uh, pretty young. So I was born in 87. Right. And, um, is that a real age? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is actual real age. Right, okay. Because you'll know from <laughs> some of your colleagues, they end up at about 33 for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, a bit like Shaky and Stalker and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think Chris Walker's probably about 70 now. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so kind of around, I believe around the 87 era, that's when I was born. That was when the kind of Norton or the Roton, as it was called, yeah. Time yeah. um, that Brian had developed and designed. Um, that kind of all started around then and finished by, well, by the time it properly finished was 1994. So obviously I was kind of seven years old by then. So I did grow up around it a little bit. Right. Um, I did half a Grand Prix season in 91. My dad was a mechanic for Ian McConaughey in 1991. Okay. Um, with the uh, 125 he was running at the time. And um, yeah, so I did half a, se half, half of the Grand Prix series by then. I remember little bits. I always wanted to ride a bike, and he was absolutely dead against it. Right. Uh, he finally retired after working for uh, Honda Britain and then also Duckham's Ducati for a short time in 96. Um, retired. We lived in the Midlands. He decided to move to the East Coast, and 
get away from all the people you know because everyone was bringing cars and bikes around the house all the time and oh, can you fix this can you fix because right, right. i guess most mechanics get that yeah so he decided he wanted to move away i was only 10 years of age and uh, moved to the east coast in lincolnshire so okay. i kind of forgot about bikes for a bit okay and then he made the fatal mistake of taking me to cadwell park for a british superbike round right, okay. <laughs> which which re-triggered it all yeah just re-triggered it all there was uh casey stoner Chaz davis cal crutchlow and they were all riding the these Super Team 125 bikes, uh, which is an, uh, an Aprilia 125. It's a road-going bike. It's a production road bike, and um, yeah, you can ride them at 12 years, 11 years of age, actually, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and they were at the British Championship round, which was called the Aprilia Super Team yeah, Challenge. I remember it. Yeah. Um, and I was, I must have been 10 or 11. I was right on the cusp of it, and uh, I was watching these lads go around going, ah. In a year's time, I can do that. And does go in, no, you can't. <laughs> He'd already got the cash register going. <laughs> yeah. Guess, yeah. So um, it actually started eventually by me buying my own bike when I was 12 without telling him. So, oh, really? Yeah. What, road bike? Yeah, I a... bought a little Kawasaki AR50. Right, okay. Um, I sold a radio-controlled plane I had, which is probably my dad's actually, but anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I sold that and right. used a bit of that money and saved up a load of my, all my pocket money, basically, for nearly a year. And... Um, swapped that and a, okay. and a pocket full of money for, uh, for this AR-15, a wheelbarrow full of bits. Hit it around the back of the house and then thought, how oh, the chuff do I build that? And uh, he was rather shocked <laughs> when that came from around the back of the house then. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, yeah, I managed to hide it for a good week or two. Okay. Until <laughs> it needed me. Yeah, and then I was thinking, well, I don't really know how to build that. So, um, you know, I was only 11, 12 years old at the time and uh, eventually plucked up the courage to say, by the way, look what I found. <laughs> yeah, look what's turned up outside. So, uh, and and to be fair to him, from that point onwards, I think once he realised I was going to just do it anyway, yeah. um, he kind of gave in and has been by my side ever since and still is. All right. So that period when you started out racing, who were the kind of who were your contemporaries? Who were the people you were racing? Yeah, with? well, I guess at that time he never really thought I was going to go racing, but obviously we built the bike. My next door neighbour, but one has got a big field out the back of his. Uh, back of his house, so I was always round there, riding round and round in circles, and uh, generally enjoying myself. Right. And um, a friend in the village was uh, racing mini motos, and his dad had got a bike or two, but wasn't particularly good on the mechanics. So he said, "Look, can you come and help mechanic these bikes for me, and uh, I'll let your lad ride one." Okay. And that's how it started. And uh, there was people like Sam and Stephen Neat yeah. uh, in the mini moto championship at the time, Chris Jones. Um, was also there at the time. There's quite a few of the names that are about now. They were all there, and I, I did a year of mini motos. Started by trying to learn to ride were you a bike properly. Big lad then. I mean, yeah, I was already quite quite okay. tall, so yeah. it was hard to get on a mini moto yeah. for me. But yeah. I only did one year of it. I finished second in the championship. Um, Start of the year, learning how to ride bike properly and understanding what racing lines mean and getting your knee down for the first time, which is very exciting as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, by the end of the year, I was kind of winning races and stuff. So um, we moved up into the Aprilia Challenge. In fact, I had Casey Stoner's bike. I wish I'd still got it. Okay. Um, yeah. What that kind of filter. Yeah, so the Aprilia Super Team bike that he ran the year before, um, the, this guy that had got the mini motos, he bought the two bikes. Um, Lloyd Lifestyle, I don't know if you remember, back in the day, there was, there, was a, there was John Lloyd was his name. His, his mum and dad owned the, the shop called Lloyd Lifestyle. From, Absolutely, up from in North. the Carlisle. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's where Casey Stoner used to base himself. Well, they ran the team. There was John, their lad, and Casey Stoner. They were right. the two. Well, um, my mate's dad, William Kirkham, he, uh, he bought the bikes. 
Okay. And I said, look, I'll buy the bikes again, you mechanic them, and your lad can ride the second one. Right. So, um, and that's how it started, really. Right. There, was, there was all sorts of people that, uh, in that championship again that, that's still around now. But it, it, it didn't go smoothly as <laughs> things went on, because I can remember when, I think probably when I first met you, you were absolutely brassic and living in a motorhome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done I mean, a bit of that. I mean, there was, there was a period, kind of, I guess, when you're fighting to get on the ladder, really, to start earning any money and getting some decent bikes. Yeah, exactly that. And so this, my, my first year in the Super Team Championship was 2002. Right. Um, I actually went from never riding a bike to a British Superbike in five years, which is pretty fast. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Mainly because of my dad, really, because mm. he's got so much experience. He raced Grand Prix himself. He handled a lot of riders in Grand Prix. Um, you know, there's so many big names that he's been with and helped coach even or mechanics for and all the rest of it. It's just got so much experience, you can't buy it. No. Um, so he really cut all my mistakes out before I made them. Right. So I kind of went from nothing to a British Superbike. Well, I was 17 still when I first rode a Superbike. I didn't ride a bike till I was 12. Right, right. So I, I literally, I came through the ranks quite quick um, from a pretty super teen initially, a Super Sport 400, then jumped into Super Stock 1000, and then a Superbike two years later. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the Superbike Championship's hard work, you know, especially then as well, it, just before the, the big financial crash that everyone had to go through. I was quite lucky to get onto a Superbike with the Hawk Racing team, the Kawasaki team early on. The bike was really good. Glenn Richards, I think, I finished fourth or fifth in the Championship on it the year before. I ended up with his bike exactly as he'd raced it basically okay. um we found a little sponsor to help pay some tire bills and stuff and i didn't really have to pay for my ride and there's not many people that um nowadays can get you know as a young lad to get into the british superbike championship mm. for a start and not necessarily having to pay for the ride and it didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to uh, by the end of the year i was kind of finishing top 10 but then the next year the bike definitely wasn't the bike that it needed to be and I crashed my brains out, unfortunately, mm. and it all kind of went wrong from there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, up till when I first actually earned a penny, my first penny I ever earned was 2013. Wow, not long ago then, realistically, yeah. no. Tough times then. Now, what would you... Had you got a trade? Did you kind of yeah. ever train to be anything? Yeah. So what, what could you have been? <laughs> well, what? Jack Burnicle always says it on TV. He loves saying it. I was a plasterer. Well, yeah. I said, yeah. Actually, I left school and went straight to work as a sheet metal engineer. Um, sheet metal engineer and powder coating for starters. And then, um, yeah, then I went plastering with my mate's dad, really. Because um, you could earn more money, I guess. Yeah, I could earn more money. I was self-employed. Um, I had as many days off as I wanted because with the factory that I was working in with the sheet metal, it's just hard work to mm. just say, oh, by the way, tomorrow I'm off. Yeah, right, <laughs> you, okay. you just can't do it. No. Um, so, so I went just, You just say, I'm just going to get some more materials and then come yeah. back on Monday. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's kind of how it worked. So they eventually got annoyed with that. So, um, so yeah, I left there and I worked seven days a week. That's what I did. Oh. I, I was out every single day. If I wasn't racing, then I was plastering someone's house somewhere. Oh. <laughs> you, you don't get your trowel out now at all? Then. Nope. Oh. <laughs> I've not even got it anymore. Oh, okay. it. You, you've binned it completely. <laughs> But, but I think a lot of people really don't understand quite how tough it is unless, you know, you, can, you did come from a privileged family. You came from a family that, that had a lot of knowledge. Yeah. But trying to fund it is so, yeah, so difficult, tough. isn't it, really? Yeah, it's really tough. And, and to put it into kind of any perspective, like now, the team I'm riding for, the Smith's Racing Team, which is a fantastic family-run team. Before I forget, uh, just to apologise, the bike was due to be here yes. tonight. Um, Sorry. Unfortunately, Rebecca 
Smith phoned earlier today and they're flat out getting it all ready for you to run at Silverstone, which is fairly important, in fairness, this weekend, because <laughs> um, it's the kind of start of the show down the double header. So apologies for anyone who was hoping to have the bike here. It was all worked out. There's a space for it. There is. It's all, it was going to sit there, the lights for it. Uh, unfortunately, just think it's there, right? Okay. Um, right so, so yeah, sorry. to put it into perspective, to run that superbike for one year, and just the British superbike, obviously we do lots of things with road racing and stuff, but just British superbike events without testing, you're looking at a tyre bill of about 30 grand just for me. Just tyres Just tyres. fuel, transportation, yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. So we went testing at the start of this year, me and my teammate Sylvan, and the testing tyre bill for nine, nine days on circuit was 26 grand. Wow. Was it really? Mm. So if you're a young lad or a young rider or any rider trying to come up into the British Superbike Championship, it's just so expensive, yeah. you know? That's so give me a clue, because um, I'm out of touch, I used to run a team. Um, what, what, what's Smith's, what are they, what's the budget for their season, do you think? Taking know. out your half a million that you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, taking that out. Yeah. Um, I would say for, for the whole year, they've there'll be over three quarters of a million really and they're a family run team with no hospitality no bullshit if you like yeah that's for a domestic championship that's just domestic championship yeah running that's an awful lot of money isn't it um so so when did you get in in interest in road racing i guess you'd say because you you were predominantly a a track racer yeah i've been a track racer all my career until 2014 so i've been riding at that point big bikes for 10 years yeah um had a lot of experience on the big bikes and I think that was one thing that definitely attracted me to it. I was 27 at that time and felt that I was mature enough <laughs> yeah. not to be uh, too stupid on the roads. I think there's a... You have know, to broach that with the family? Yeah, yeah, because my entire career, Dad had always said, if you ever go road racing, I'll never speak to you again. Right. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever come and talk to me right. about road racing because right. as soon as you do, you're out and right. that, that'll be done. But. Right. Um, right. I, uh, did, he did the TT though. Yeah, and he's right. TT winner as well. Yeah. yeah, that's why he won the Manx, didn't he? He did. He won the Manx, seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. two fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I came to a point in my career where I was really struggling. Uh, I was a top ten rider, um, even not, even though the team wasn't necessarily a factory team. Even in two thousand and thirteen, I finished eleventh, but I was generally inside the top ten, um, and I was struggling to find a ride unless I had fifty to hundred grand to take to a team to pay for tyres, fuel all the rest of it, mm. um, I just couldn't get a ride anywhere. Right. And uh, I was really struggling and I felt that I, did, I, I had done enough to show that I didn't have to bring any money with me. Mm. Um, and I wanted to continue racing bikes. So how could I do it? So that for, I looked at lots of different options. Actually in 2013, I went to the TT for my first time as an adult anyway, um, just to watch, just to go and watch people like John McGuinness go around. Yeah, and, right. Standing or in a in a hedge somewhere yeah, and yeah. <laughs> be amazed about how fast a bike can go past you and mm. uh, I really enjoyed myself. I did a few laps and I, as a kid I'd always played the TT game, so I actually knew the course before um, before I'd even been round it. I knew it. Actually, when I first got there, I went straight to the straight to the paddock, and Dave Johnson, who's a good mate of mine, he was pulling out in his in his BMW ad at the time. As I got to the paddock, I got no idea where I was going. I actually got on the plane. I'd literally booked it the day before. I booked an easy jet flight from Liverpool to the Isle of Man. I had nowhere to stay. Didn't know. I, I knew. I know lots of people in the paddock, but I didn't know anyone who was actually there. Right. Where I was, what I was going to do, how I was even going to get from Castletown Airport to the paddock. I didn't know how to get to the paddock. Never mind anything else. Um, and I sat on the plane, 
and uh, a couple of guys that I knew from a long time ago that are now actually sponsors, um, they were like, oh, Pete, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, I've not seen you for a long time. They used to sponsor another rider back in the day that I was racing against. And they said, oh, what are you doing here? And I went, well, I don't really know, to be uh-huh. fair. <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking for a lift to Dublin. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, yeah, I've just come for a watch. And I'm like, oh, where are you going when you land? I went, I don't know, where are you going? <laughs> and funnily enough, I jumped in their taxi and went to the paddock. And uh, Dave O'Johnson was coming out in his car. And he said, oh, Pete, could just jump in. I'm just about to do a lap. So I thought, perfect. Yeah. Chuck me rucksack in his boot. And off we went. And I went, oh, yeah, you're like four through here, through here. And he goes, oh, you've been before. This is his first time then. No, no, it was my, my first time no, at there. But he'd been, oh, 2011, I think, was okay. his first. Oh, right, 10, right. 11, somewhere around okay. there. He'd done a couple of years. Right. He goes, oh, you've been before then. I went, no, no, this is my first ever lap. But I knew it from the PlayStation game. Right. And he was like, he was like, all oh, right. Ah. So and then he was quizzing me all the way around the lap. He was like, well, what's next then? Where do we go next? And I was, I was pretty much bang on most of the way. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and clearly, you must have a good memory. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and that was from being a kid. I'd not yeah. done it recently. Right. I'd, like, okay. I'd, I'd done it from being a kid. So, right. um, okay. yeah. Hang on, but, but okay, at this point, you're still talking to your dad now. Yeah, so I know I hadn't even spoken to my dad at this point. Right. So it was the end of 2013. Right. And I'm thinking, how can I carry on riding bikes? Yeah. And, uh, something that is quite well known. Obviously, there's a bit of money in road racing. There's nowhere yeah. near what it should be, to be quite honest. But um, there is a little bit of money. And the TT had spoken to me before about going. Um, and I rang them back up and said, look, I might be interested. And I knew Paul Shoesmith. Yeah. Um, God bless him. Um, yeah. I raced against him back in the day in the Superstock days. And yeah. we had our good fights on circuit. And I knew he was riding at the TT. He'd been going for a long time, 2007. I think it was the first time he went. And um, he always brought on a lot of newcomers. He always kind of tended to help out with yeah, a lot of newcomers. Did, brought he? a lot of riders through the paddock, mm. including Dean Harrison, myself. Uh, Simon Andrews was the yeah. first rider yeah. with him as well. And there's, there's been quite a few that's come through Shiri and become quite mm. successful. Mm. Um, so because of that, and because I knew him anyway, I said, oh, I'd like to kind of ride for Shiri. I rang Shiri up. He was dead keen. And um, everything kind of went from there. I went to my... I went to the Northwest. I never did anything that year. I didn't have a British Superbike ride at all, so I was dead rusty. Um, I went and did a Ulm Park race with NG Road Racing just yeah. to try and get a signature on your license. You have to have so many signatures on your license, which is what McGuinness has just gone through for, yeah, for to, the, to, even to for the classic. The and um, yeah, so I went and did that. And apart from that, I never rode a bike all year. So I went to the Northwest. I had to pay for my tyre bill and fuels and everything for the Northwest. But TT, TT paid for everything for me. So. But I still haven't worked out how you're still talking to your dad. Well, I want, I want verbatim. Yeah. What did you say? Right, excuse me, Dad. Can I have five minutes? How did this? Pretty happen? much how it went. Yeah, I right. made sure Mum was in the other room. Right, okay. And, uh, and Dad said, oh, so what are you going to do then? And I went, well, uh, I'm actually going to go over to the Isle of Man. And he just kind of sat there and didn't really say a lot. <laughs> and um, he just kind of went, right, okay. And that was pretty much the oh, end right. of that. Okay. He I must have known that that was kind of yeah, a, a so. way of you stepping up again to the next Yeah, level. I guess so. I, I waited a couple of weeks before I told my mum. Right. Um, I actually took her out for a meal, so she knew something was wrong straight right, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice, that chippy in there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I broke the news right. and that was right. that, really. Okay, all right. Well, they must be very pleased that you have made that transition. I must just tell you very quickly.
quick story, ladies and gentlemen. You were talking about getting your licence. <laughs> uh, have you heard the Mick Grant story recently? No. All right, I must just very quickly tell you, Mick Grant phoned me um, three, four weeks ago uh, before the Donington Classic event because we've got Goodwood coming up next, this coming weekend. You're at Silverstone. Goodwood Fest uh, revivals on. Mick Grant phoned me and said, uh, Stavros, have you heard they've changed the regulations for Goodwood? You've got to have an international licence or something like that. And I don't think our licences that we've got, which are just a national licence, mm. will be any good. So I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to Donington Park this weekend. I'll speak to Sally Russell and Gordon and check out about the licences. So I get to Donington, I spoke to Sally Russell, who organises the Goodwood event and does the um, classic racing motorcycle club stuff. And I said, are our licences? She goes, yeah, she said, yours will be just fine. So I phoned Mick up and I said, you're right, Mick, your licence isn't going to work. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shit, he said, I thought that. And uh, I said, look, I'll tell you what, I've sorted it out for you. If you get yourself to Donington Park tomorrow, this is the Saturday, he'd already booked a trial in and everything else. Get yourself to Donington Park, and I've spoken to Sally Russell. If you can get in four laps round here, she'll sign your licence, and then it'll be okay to do. Oh, thanks, Stavros. It's really good of you. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I owed Mick Grant because he had me disqualified from Snetterton in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so you still got the grudge then. <laughs> never get mad just even. Anyway, so sure enough, <laughs> Mick turns up on the Sunday morning, and I said, I've got your time on the track, on your own, you've got to do four laps at two o'clock, so you've got all the leathers on and everything else. I said, I've organised a fantastic bike. George Beale has got a Benelli 6 replica there, beautiful thing, all ready and this, that and the other. So Mick comes out, helmet on, visor down, the clock's ticking, two o'clock. Right, off you go. Of course, the Benelli didn't start, mainly because we hadn't switched it on. (laughs) And he says, okay, Mick, got it all sorted as I wheeled out a Honda C90. with a shopping basket on the front and the back and sent him off. And and he did it. In fairness, he did a whole lap of Donington Park, came back. And there's too many women in the room for me to tell you what he called me, but it, it wasn't a nice name. But in fairness, if you next talk to Mick Grant, He's one of the few of us that's actually got through Craner's flat. <laughs> and he did it on a scene. So I know I've broken the story up a little bit, but talking of your licences, so I'm very proud of getting him back. So we're all square. It took you 22 years, but you got it. Yeah, it took 22 years. But <laughs> 32 years. 32 years, <laughs> and I, we're all square now. Um, so kind of history started then for you mm. um, at the Northwest was your first road race meeting and everything else. Now, I spoke to you briefly at the weekend, and you were talking very much about watching... or. PlayStation, but also watching videos. Uh, was it Gary Johnson's you watched, was it? For the TT it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was, um, from the year before, every, every year, like you can now, you, there's, there's a DVD out that shows all the onboard laps right. from select riders or, or whatever, so... Um, Are you aware, up until four, three years ago, John McGuinness refused to have a forward-facing camera? Yeah, I did know he, that, yeah. he, he wouldn't, we, I was working with the TV, and he wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, and then finally he did let it go, I guess. He must have had a few little things that he thought he had that others yeah, didn't. Had a, had a, and now he's realised that you've got some that he doesn't know. <laughs> now he's all for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, yeah. he's been... He's giving you secrets away, Yeah, I guess, exactly it? that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you were able to decipher gear shift, kind of everything yeah. about the circuit from that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the technology that we've got nowadays, isn't it? And the, the cameras are so good and the quality is so good that... You know, I just I basically went through a load of different DVDs. The TT are actually really, really helpful. If you go as a newcomer, um, they they help, offer you they trips. offered me all sorts trips to the TT. Pay your flight or you? They paid my flights. They paid the hotel while I was there. They gave me a hire car while I was there. All I had to do was get myself to the airport this side and put fuel in the hire car when I was there, and that was all I had to do. Wow. 
Um, so I took full advantage of that in 2014. Nice. Who, uh, um, I'm glad I wasn't the hire car company. No. <laughs> little one, one litre Fiesta got a good thrashing. But right. Um, right. I did seven trips between January and the end of April. Seven different trips, two days at a time. About five days the first, five laps the first day, five laps the second day. It takes an hour in a car, the Isle of Man with open roads. Yeah. Um, and the Manx drivers are probably more dangerous than what doing the TT is, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it takes about an hour. So you're looking at five hours the first day, five hours the second day, and yeah, about 70 laps over the whole seven trips. Wow. 70 hours worth of driving round and round the Isle of Man TT. Wow, that's impressive. So no Manx, straight into the TT? No Manx, straight into the TT. Um, and yeah, and I found the DVD. I just went through all of them until I could find a nice clean lap that I thought, thought that I looked safe enough, not too fast, not too stupid. There was no mistakes in it. It was dead clear. There was no other bikes on circuit. It was one of the first guys out. Yeah. Um, and it was from 2013, so the year before, so it was current. Yeah. It was on the superbike. It was on a Thursday night evening practice. And you could see everything, hear everything. I could listen to every gear change. And I just made my own kind of plan of what I would do for when I started. So there was some sections where he was fourth gear through a certain certain bit. And obviously, because I'd been driving it, I'd been looking at it and going, I'm not sure if I want to go through there in fourth gear on my right. first few laps. So right. I'd go, right, I'm going to go third there. I'm going to be in fourth here. I'll be, And I just made a bit of a plan, just in my head. Not, not actually, I didn't write anything down. Um, I never did anything in sections either. You hear a lot of riders talk about, um, oh, I did the first section four or five times, I did the second section four or five times, and, or they kept going backwards and forwards. Yeah. I never did that. I did it as a whole thing. Because whenever you ride it, you don't do it in sections. No, no, you sure. do the whole thing in one sure. go, don't you? So yeah. for me, I just I, did, I always did full laps. I never did sections. But, um, but for those of you who haven't been the TT or watched it, it's 37 and three-quarter miles mm. round. I think they, they say there's 273 yeah, corners or whatever, but it depends what bike you're on, doesn't yeah. it, really? Uh, the faster the bike, the more corners are, and it literally sets off from Douglas. It goes to pretty much the first section is to Ballacrane, and then it goes through to Kirk Michael, then it goes through to Ramsey, it goes back over the mountain. But um, your speed is something like 16 minutes, is it, or something? Yeah, 16 minutes 42. 16 minutes 42. 0.77. And try, can, you, <laughs> can you imagine, um, and I sort of did, but nothing like you did, learning 280-odd corners, not just learning them, learning where the manhole covers are, learning where the gaps in the hedge is, learning where there's a certain bump, uh, learning where the traffic sits at the lights to turn right about a crane where it's going to be oily and all these things to absorb. It is pretty mm. impressive. And, and you were the fastest newcomer by some way when you first went that year. Yeah. Well, that, that lap that I watched was 128 mile an hour. As like I said, it was dead clear, it was dead bright and you could see everything. And, and from that, my first ever lap by myself was 109 miles an hour, right, which right. is pretty yeah. pretty quick. My yeah. second lap was 115. Wow. So what are you riding? A 600 now? No, Thou. Oh, Thou, thou yeah, stock. Yeah, so, right. so I took a super stock BMW. Right. It was his own bike from the year before, so I knew it was a good one. Yeah. And, right. um, uh, yeah, so literally we did, we did one lap behind Milky, so you have to do one lap behind a travelling marshal, so I did one lap behind Milky. It's about... 1900 mile an hour average lap they don't time so it. you're thinking for god's sake yeah so i was kind of in fact i was the first person i'm the only person ever apparently to do a wheelie down glen clutchery road on a first ever lap <laughs> because because milky did it oh, so okay. i kind of followed him yeah, he yeah. set off on a little road r6 did a wheelie and i thought yeah good idea that so uh -huh. I, I did it as well and apparently i'm the only person uh -huh. ever uh -huh. done, apparently everyone else is shitting themselves everyone was big yeah. <laughs> dinner plate eyes yeah, yeah. Okay. so you do that one lap they came in filled the tank 
So you can do two laps. So right. filled the tank, 109 was the first lap, 115 was lap two in, and I had just enough time to do one more lap. So I filled the tank again, and obviously standing start, bear in mind that second lap was a flying lap. Mm. Um, and then I did a standing start of a 15.1 or 15.2. So right. I was already like pretty yeah. fast. The next night I used the same set of tires, which had already done four laps. I did a 17 something first standing start and then a 19 six. So by lap five, I was nearly on 120 mile an hour. Oh. So you're now probably faster than Shuey already, I guess. Well, yeah, he was, um, yeah. he had done, I can't yeah. remember at the time, he had done 124 ish, yeah. somewhere right, around there. So right I was already there. not a million miles off, right. off him, yeah. That's, uh, it is massively impressive, but you, you just felt at home straight away. No, yeah, no. and I wasn't, I came in after that first night, uh, the, second, the second night, sorry, and Paul Phillips, who is um, kind of the coordinator, he runs most of the TT, especially from a rider's point of view. Um, he came up and, and almost bollocked me pretty much straight away. I was going to say, that. he's probably just... Yeah, on the second night, because I obviously had just done two laps in 119.6, and he went, mate, you need to calm down. I was like, what? Mm. Well, what do you mean? Yeah. And he was like, do you know how fast you've just gone? I went, no, no idea. I don't want to know. I'm just riding. And then he went, all right, I'll let you carry on. Oh, really? And he kind of backed off. And I think he realised then that I wasn't actually... Pushing for a time. Pushing, yeah. I was, oh. For me, I was sat in the middle of the road everywhere, and... The best thing is with the TT, if you don't know where you're going or if you're learning, if you're not sure, sit in the middle of the road because you've got the most amount of road either yeah. side of you. And that's yeah. something that, as yeah. a newcomer, somebody, I can't remember who even told me, but I'd heard someone say it and just say, if you're not sure, sit in the middle. Yeah, yeah. it makes, you, makes a lot of sense, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, and that's all I was doing, really. I was just kind of riding around, enjoying myself, and, yeah, I was already already pretty quick. Um, going back to that, and I, I hark back, I had that information from Mick Grant. He'd been racing at the TT a lot longer than me. I first went there... I did do the Manx, and when I first went to TT on an RG500, and I said, Solby Strait, back when your dad was racing, was the, he probably told you, it was the bumpiest place, in the, it was cron yeah. Cronky Body and Solby Strait, and the thing would be locked a lot. And I went up to Mick Grant, in all honesty, Mick, I'm struggling Solby Strait, I just can't keep the bike flat out. I said, is there somewhere smooth? He said, smack right down the middle of the road. I said, is it smoother? He said, no, the trees are further away. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 that was my only bit of advice, really, yeah. that, that I got there. So what you've just said does make a lot of sense there. Um, okay, right. So you got the fastest newcomer by some margin. Who was you? Who was the person? You, was there anyone else that year that you were kind of keeping an eye on? I guess not particularly. No, no, I was literally just enjoying myself. Honestly, I was just coming in, putting fuel in it. Tiring it if it needed it and just right. keep going round and round. And right. as a newcomer, you can go out in any session you want. So even though I was riding a thousand, I could go out in the lightweight 650 practice sessions. Right. And okay. So I literally just did as many laps as I could. And I was quite lucky that year. The, the weather was was pretty good as far as TT goes. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. we only missed a couple of nights in practice and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was. I did I did 33 laps that year. So did you really? Yeah. So it was yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. Have you ever worked out how many laps with the 70 that you did learn in it? You. You clearly have got to be up in yeah. hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, I must laps. have done. Yeah, so by the end of my first ET, I'd done a lot of laps. Um, but actually, 33 on a bike, and I did 129 mile an hour in, on the final lap of the TT on the on that on, year. On that year, yeah. Do you? Some riders have said that they they feel better coming back to short circuits from the TT. Some say they feel really kind of weird and everything else. Yeah, how, how weird. Does it you? weird. <laughs> Definitely weird. Is it, yeah. Is it what you just? Cut, it, it's a different breed, a different way of thinking about racing. Absolutely, and also. Um, yeah, the TT and the road racing in particular is all so fast. Yeah. You know, it's 190 mile an hour. You're doing, generally speaking, over 160 all the time. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and I know, if you think about it, 135 mile an hour average. To do yeah. an average of 135, yeah. you've got to be way above that most of the time. You've because you've got, got some slow corners, yeah. yeah. Hump at bridges um, and hairpins. I mean, even to Ramsey, we do about 145, 146 mile an hour average to Ramsey, and that's 20 something miles. Am I right? I think Balacrane's the highest, isn't it? Is it from, I think yeah, something like start be. to Balacrane is something ridiculous yeah, because you are be, yeah. flat out all the way. But it's 142 Ramsey. Yeah, it's about 145-ish to Ramsey hairpin. And, and then you lose a whole load miles. at the hairpin. Yeah, and, and governors it. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Um, you, you've gelled straight away with the Isle of Man and you're loving it, of course. Mm. Um, but yeah, coming back to short circuit, it, for me, it then feels really slow. Does it? Yeah, and like for the last few years, this year actually we went to Snetterton, which wasn't so bad, but the two years previous, we went from TT to Knock Hill. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much going from the longest circuit in the world to the shortest. You're going to what, what's basically linked up Governor's Ditch, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it just feels really slow. So the problem is I get on the brakes and I think, oh, I'm going too slow. So you let go of the brakes and all of a sudden you reach the corner right. 50 mile an hour too fast. So yeah. you, you're yeah. suddenly anchoring up again. You're always running out of room. Right. It, to be fair, it takes you a day, day and a half, maybe two days, but normally a day and a half and you're, you're back into the kind of right. swing of it. Um, but the other way, you've proven, you and a number of other people have proven um, that short circuit keeps you sharp for road racing. Absolutely. I mean, hardened TT fans, riders, etc. will all shoot me for saying it, but short circuit, especially British Superbike and World Superbike, MotoGP, you know, all the top level short circuit racing is so fast. Mm. And it's much faster than TT riding. Mm. Um, it's faster in the way that you attack the corners, it's faster in the way that you ride the bike. The actual speeds are faster at the TT, but the way you do the corners is much slower right. and much more relaxed. Yeah. For example, Balagheri, which is a fifth gear, 160 mile an hour right-hander, you brake quite early for it, you get down a gear, you let go of the brake early and then run through the corner on, on the gas because you've got two miles of straight after it. Yeah. If you did that at BSB, you'd have five, probably six people Underneath coming the inside yeah. of you. Yeah. You've got to be really late on the brakes, you've got to be Closing the front, going in, you've got to be losing the rear, you've got to be losing the rear on the exit. You know, we're, we basically nearly crash at every single corner right. for an entire race. Yeah. We, you can't do that at the TT. No. No. You know, and the grip levels are, are less because it's a road. So it, it all kind of comes into effect. Even the Ulster, this photo is from the Ulster. Um, I'm just pissing about there, that's just a bit of fun. Right. Um, but, um, you know, that, that circuit is about as close as you'll ever get to a, a short circuit. Um, the tarmac's really, really good. It's not bumpy. There's probably two bumpy corners on the whole circuit. The rest of it's like a billiard table. Probably even better than half the short circuits right. we've got in the UK. But, but you still never ride. Some, there's some fairly hard banks and there is, trees. but you still never ride it the same as what you do BSB. And you right. know that's why when I go to places like that, I tend to not win easily, but I can. I feel like I'm riding at a lower level than what I'm used right. to. Right. And that was how I felt at the TT as well, which is why, again, easy is the wrong word, but that's the kind of state that I felt I was in. I was mm. really relaxed. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to go fast. Mm. Mm. I think that's what probably made me fast in the yeah. end as well. Yeah. Then you went through, a, a, we're kind of rattling on a bit, mm. you went through a period where you were kind of there on the podiums and just nibbling away at it. It was, it was going to happen. Um, uh, would, yeah. would, did you find it any frustrating? You know, did you think you should have won earlier or, or not? Um, I mean, I don't think you should have, but I didn't know if internally you <laughs> for obvious reasons. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Because if I'd been the year before under 129 mile an hour, I wouldn't mm. have been a million miles away or no. two years before. No. Um, and I always kind of looked at it like that. My second year, I did 131.6 mile an hour on a stocker. I know. 
Um, and at the time, the stock lap record was less than that. Yeah, it was just what Dunlop just set some yeah. blistering time, didn't he? On so that? it was, um, you know, I was I was fast within, you know, in my second year, and I finished eighth, I think, in the senior in my second year, seventh or eighth, uh, on a super stock bike against yeah. all the super bikes, yeah. um, and with not a lot of time that year because the the weather was not so not so good. And in 2016, which was my third year, um, we had loads of problems with the super bike. I'm never in the super bike there either. I actually only did three laps on a superbike before my first superbike race because the bike kept breaking down. Right. Um, Tell me, um, I hear it a lot, you were one of the few that liked the full power engine and everything yeah. else, but riding a superbike, even though lap times are similar, it's an animal, isn't it? More of an Absolutely animal. an animal, yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, why do you need a superbike then if the, if the difference isn't that much? Yeah, but there's still a difference. Yeah, I was going to say because <laughs> otherwise, I guess you're, you, you come just out, you go up the mountain mile and the super bikes pass you and in the way at the corners. Yeah. The, the yeah. best way of describing it is the super stock bikes, for example. Obviously, the clues in the name, they're more stock. Um, they're just much easier to ride, and because they're easy to ride, there's not much you can change. You can't change any fork offsets, fork angles. You can't change pivot points, links, swing arms. There's, there's not a lot you can do to change it. Less, less chance of getting lost, I guess. So you can't get lost with it, yeah. and the, you just got to get on with it as well. So yeah. they're easy to ride. They're quite soft in the way that they are because they're more road orientated. Um, so you can go fast on them very quickly without right. having to think about it too much. Right. The Superbike, because it's pretty much infinitely dynamic with how you can change it, means that you can get more out of it, but to get more out of it, you've got to be absolutely on the nail with it, otherwise it's a pig to ride. Right. And if it's a pig to ride, you'll go slower than what you will on a stocker, right. which is right. what happens with a lot of people. Yeah. They're faster on a stock bike because it's nice and soft and plush and easy. Yeah. You ride the super bike and all it wants to do is throw you off at every corner right. or every straight. So when you go there, set the super bike up is the cr most crucial thing to do. It is, and, and I was lucky enough that last, last year and this year, I rode with the same team, the Smith Racing BMW team, um, the bike was basically identical to last year. We turned up this year and put the settings in that I rode last year, and I can honestly say I never touched one click, which like really? never happens. Really, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, people still don't believe me now. Other teams and riders don't believe me, but no. from day one to the senior final lap, that bike never had one click changed on it. Wow, that is very impressive. Because it was stable, it turned okay. What more do you need? Uh, the times were coming. The times were coming yeah. all right, so yeah. I just left it alone. Learned yeah. to ride it. Where it is difficult, try and figure out how to make it easier. If it's not, right. deal with it. Yeah, impressive. <laughs> Talking to Smiths, so, uh, rumours and unfortunately Smiths might not be with the, yeah. in the racing next year. Yeah, I mean, Alan and Rebecca run a fantastic team. It's been a you know, family-run team now. They're eight years they've been running for. He's plowed a lot. We've just spoken about how much it costs to run one year. So mm. you can imagine what mm. he's actually put into it. And it's 99% yeah. it's of it has come out of his own pocket. Um, because he wants to, because mm. obviously he's, he's able to do They're it. They're a transport business, mate. Aren't transport, they? construction, demolition, waste management, they've got bloody all sorts. Right. <laughs> right. You name right. it, they do okay. it. Um, and he's done it because he enjoys it and he wants a bit of fun. And Rebecca, his daughter, she's a team manager and she really enjoys it and loves it as well. And um, they've built a fantastic little team together. And, uh, you know, he's, been, he's doing it for a long time. He's never wanted a sponsor because he doesn't want to please anyone. Right. He doesn't want to have to answer to anyone. He doesn't want to have to run a... 250 grand hospitality unit all year, which is the kind of person he'll spend. If that bike needs 50 grand spending on it, he'll spend it on it tomorrow. Right. But if you want 
a truck or a nice looking awning or a night, he'd be like, yeah, but you don't win a race. Right. And, he, yeah. he's, and he's bang he's on. He's right. Yeah, he's right. A truck he? doesn't yeah. make you, a nice 200 grand truck does not make you win a race. And, no. um, and that's the way he's always gone about it, which is absolutely spot on. You know, yeah. he's, he's bang on. Yeah. As much as we give him some grief about it, because right. right. <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants a nice new truck every now and then, don't they? Of course. <laughs> do, do BMW support the team? A bit, yeah, a bit. Um, Tyco is the official team. Mm. So they get the majority of the support, uh, the support but um, uh, we get a parts budget from BMW, but that's actually it. They still buy the bikes, they still okay. buy the engines, they buy all the parts. Um, I mean, when I came to the team in 2017, they were running KTEX suspension, for example. Um, and I, my preference was not definitely not KTEC. <laughs> um, so I said, well, if you want me to sign, then I want you to change to Olin's. That was kind of one of the things I yeah. almost demanded, Stip if you like. I was like, if you want me to ride, then that's what I want. Um, and without even hesitating, he just went, yep, okay, that's done. And that was 100 grand to change all that over. Was it? Yeah. Just to switch that over. Just to switch from one suspension manufacturer to another. You didn't feel like saying, stick with the KTEC, give me 100 grand. <laughs> well, no. I could have done, but then I want to finish where sure. I finished. Yeah, you know? and, uh, absolutely. And you... for me, we the team finished 21st, uh, 20th or 21st and 25th in the championship that year. The year I came to them, we finished fourth. Right, yeah, yeah. sure. And the, uh, it's not just me, you know, I'm riding the bike, but the, there was, I brought a crew chief with me, a couple of mechanics, an electronics engineer, mm. and said, this is the direction I think we should go, or as a team, this is what we should do, I think. And, um, I uh, guess and they, they were the happy pudding. for you to bring that crew with you? They, um, they actually wanted it. So okay. when I said, because I, I kind of came thinking, oh, this, I don't quite know how the meeting's going to go. And I said, well, basically, I want this, this, and this. And I want these people to come with me. And Alan pretty much just went, yep, yeah, okay. Perfect. Done. And then you've got no excuses, have you? No, no, no. Yeah, but you set, set the bar. Yeah, I kind of left going, ah, oh, all right, okay. Uh. <laughs> now, let's, let's talk about this lap then. Did mm. this unbelievable lap that you set, because I remember going there and everyone's going, oh, I wonder if this is going to be possible or I wonder if that's going to be possible. And yeah, because obviously 134 hadn't even been done. No, not at all. And, and there was yeah. talk, you know, what, I'm sure you would have had it. Is 134 going to be possible? And all the press were saying that and everything else. And back of your head, did you... Did you feel a one three five? The, in fairness, the conditions couldn't have been better. The track, it didn't rain the whole week, did it? Oh, the track that, was and that good. was the big, the key thing for me was no rain all week. So the track never got washed. All the rubber from practice week. I think there was one night in practice week where it rained a bit, but it mm. didn't rain like it normally rains on the Isle right. Man. It wet everything, but that was about it. It right. didn't wash anything away. And so the track just got more and more rubber on it. So it became grippier and grippier and more like a short circuit right. every time right. we rode it. And uh, mm. I think... Uh, I was quoted as in saying earlier in the week when somebody was saying after, I did 134.4 on the Superstock bike on the Monday mm. uh, and they said, oh, we're we going to see 135 and my comment was, we'll see 135 if we need to do it right. and that was basically referencing you only win a race at the slowest possible pace. Yeah. Yeah. No point in winning a race by 10 minutes. You only no. need to win by five seconds, don't yeah, you? Or sure. a second. Yeah, absolutely. So unless there's somebody close to you and you don't go fast. Did you know that was a good lap? There's obviously no split times. You get yeah. pit boards, but that's yeah, it. Yeah, I was getting pit boards, and I wasn't really thinking about the lap time. I wasn't even bothered about a lap time. I, I don't care if I mm. did 128 mile an hour. As long no. as I won the race, that's, that's all I'm bothered about. Yeah. Um, and I knew at Balaf, um, I knew if I could get to Balaf and I was within five seconds, six seconds maybe, then um, I could win the race. And I don't get that board until... Uh, where do I get that board? Out of Solby. Right. And it said plus five, and I thought, yeah, 
Should be all right for this. We'll do. <laughs> because I was much faster over the mountain than I was all week. Um, a bit more, the mountain section of the TT course is a bit more short-circuity. Um, so it definitely played into my hands. A bit smoother, it's a bit more open, you can see a lot more. Um, and just the actual style of it, it's a bit more aggressive right. um, for some of it. So I think Yeah, that's we saw where... you out of Kate sideways, yeah. I remember. <laughs> Smoke off the tyre down the hill to Yeah, us. so I think that played into my hands a bit more than it did Dean's, just because right. of my experience that I've yeah. got from short circuit. Yeah, right. So I knew it, and I was always about four to five seconds faster than him from Ramsey Hairpin to the start line. So he'd kind of gain the first five seconds. Because you said you don't like the Bishop's Court area, or it's not your yeah, favourite area. Yeah, the Bishop's Court area is, I found, probably the hardest bit to learn for me when I started. Um, but to be honest, I think the reason he was faster in the first two sections in particular just suited his bike better. You right. know, the Kawasaki turns a bit nicer than what the BM does, but the BM's got a bit a few more ponies and stops really well. So on that kind of mountain section, that's... Right. what you need yeah, yeah. so it was kind of you were seeing not only the strengths of the riders but also the bikes in two different areas of the course where it's completely different so yeah, right. and again I say I knew I was four or five seconds a lap faster than or four or five seconds faster than him from Ramsey to the start line so I figured blaff if I'm within five six seconds I'll, I'll have a good go of actually winning it got the job sorted pretty tight on fuel though as well isn't it or are you really tight is that something that you think about as well is like if you've got I don't know, if it goes to seven seconds, you back it off a little bit, can you try... Yeah, you can do, if you've got some, if you've got some leeway, you will, yeah. but um, both the super, even the super stock bike, the super stock bike on the Monday and the senior bike on the Friday, mm. both went straight to the dyno after the race, so literally you cross the line, you finish, you turn up the return road and turn the bike off, so... Oh. It does another 100 yards, maybe. Yeah. Um, they put them on the dyno, and they didn't even get into third gear, either of them, before they ran out. Wow. Really? So they literally start them up, put them on the dyno, go, second, third, out. Is that right? Both of them, yeah. That's impressive. So and no splattering and... I had nothing. That's, that's nothing an impressive system, because a, a yeah. if you go back a few years, a lot yeah, of people were running out of the bungalow yeah. and trying to And a lot of it's to do with how you baffle the, the yeah, whole sure. fuel load, because obviously yeah. the fuel load moves as we brake or accelerate yeah, or turn. And mm. Yeah, you've got to try and get the pump as low as possible, and then they baffle them to try and hold all the fuel mm. in, the, in the middle. And yeah. our bike was spot on. I mean, we... The BM produces a lot of horsepower. You know, their engines are 235 horse-ish at the rear wheel. They're, um, they've got I a think lot they're of turning and, about. But they're turning them down a lot. To, to, to make the two laps, we're right. leaning the bike off in areas. When we're shutting the throttle, they're not putting fuel in, right. which makes the bike actually a little bit more aggressive. Say, when it's you, not quite as nice. Because they're lean when you pick them up again, but we save some fuel. Right. Um, they even turn the blips down, and they do all sorts to try and save as much fuel as right. possible. Uh, I think they're about turning about 13 and a half, 14 miles to a gallon or something like that. It's something That's daft, it yeah. Works out something it's like not that. bad though, is it? For right. 35 no, no, miles an hour. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not, not two when you're doing like 190 most of the way. <laughs> Pretty reasonable, I'd have said. What happens if, if uh, I'm sure you've thought about it, if Smiths aren't here next year, I'm sure you've had lots of offers from quite a few people. Yeah, I don't really know, to be fair. Um, there is some offers. I've got some options to, to go in different places, but... Um, my, my main option really is I want to stay where I am. Yeah. You know, I've got right. a really good team around me. I've got really good bosses. Yeah. It's not very often you can say that, is no. it, when, no. <laughs> when you really like your boss? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, they say it how it is, and I think that I like that. So mm. um, they're not happy. They tell you they're not happy, which is all good. I can deal with that. Which makes it difficult if he doesn't want to sponsor, because possibly there is a chance of some money coming in. Do you think you can perhaps yeah. work something out that That's way? That's what we're trying to work on. We're just trying to work on finding some sponsors and, and trying to put some money together to, to help out. You know, right. he's, he's not because he doesn't want to continue, because no. he does. He really no. does want to continue. But you know, he's also got a business to run, and he's got an opportunity to do something 
business-wise, which is going to take up the money he normally uses for racing. Right. So, which is fair enough. That's his business, and he's got to look after that because without that, he wouldn't have a race team anyway, would he? So, you, you have to admire these people, like um, like those guys. And there's a number of them out in the paddock. Mm. You know, even the Paul Birds and this. You know, if you'd got a spare million quid, you'd probably have a bigger boat somewhere <laughs> and just be nicer aeroplane yeah, and doing yeah. it that way. It's, it is so impressive how some of these patrons, I guess you'd say, yeah. of the sport put Well, the sport in. wouldn't be here without them, I don't no, think. No, 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 you know? very much so. Um, so we all hope that that does happen because that will keep mm. you nice and happy as well. <laughs> now, big weekend coming up. Uh, it is the start of the showdown for mm. World for British Superbikes. If, again, for those out there that don't know how the British Superbike Championship works, I'm going to hazard a guess as 14 rounds or 13, I don't know, whatever 12. it is. 12. 12, okay. 12, well, yeah. the, first the first nine. Nine, you race all season and you get... Obviously, championship points. Leon Hasler is leading the championship by about 100 points yeah. at the moment. But by getting on the podium, first, second, and third, you get podium points. At the end of the nine races, the only thing you keep is the podium points, mm -hmm. and then you start again for the final rounds. And yeah. you've got two races, Silverstone. Three. Three at Silverstone, yeah. two at Assen. Two at Assen, two at Olm Park, uh, and then three at the final round. So, right. so after this weekend, this weekend's the final cut-off. So there's this weekend, wherever everyone is after this. Top only the, ten. Only the top six can... Oh, is it? Sorry, Beg Just five. the top six can win the championship. That's right. So they, they literally stop the championship after Silverstone, three rounds. Top six then go through. Basically, if you're not in the top six, the best you can do is finish seventh, seventh in the championship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're going to be in that top six. Well, I am at the minute. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it's been a tough season, actually, superbike racing for me in, in short circuit. It's been a real strong season road racing-wise, um, but short circuit's been real tough. You know, I had a real hard start to the year with a couple of crashes, which is a bit unlike myself, but um, it's the way it goes sometimes. Right. And, and then um, you ended up at Thruxton, uh, which wasn't long ago, and were carted off to hospital. Yeah, on the Saturday night. Yeah. With a, an infection? Yeah, yeah, a kidney infection, which right. was not ideal on a race weekend uh, especially. What do you think? you got cramp or something or <laughs> indigestion or whatever yeah well, i wasn't i wasn't very well at the brands meeting two weeks prior right. um and i just passed it off as a bit of flu really i was a bit yeah. coldy a bit heady uh i don't really get headaches but i just thought i just got a bit of flu and right. um, i got through the weekend flew to japan did the eight hour endurance race over in japan um Suzuki as you do when you're not, as you feeling, do, yeah. as you're not, not feeling so good <laughs> yeah and again in like 12 hours well, a 14 hour flight by the time you get there and i thought i was I had a bit of a fever for a couple of days and I thought I've just got the flu and something's you know, I'm just I've been doing a lot of riding all that kind of thing maybe it's just catching up with me a bit right. I, I managed to get over it for the race I was good for the race did the eight hour race no problem flew home actually flew to Spain for something else and then flew to uh, back to Thruxton um, was was mint the first day I was actually polled both sessions on the Friday and really looking forward to a good weekend Thruxton's right. on a, a real strong circuit for myself and the BMW and uh, Saturday morning got up and felt horrendous and right. uh, went downhill from there quite quickly. I, I did the free practice in the morning. I was seventh, I think, in the morning. Uh, and I qualified 11th, but I was literally doing an out lap, one flying lap and then in again because I, I yeah. couldn't really hang on to the bike properly and just had no energy and just felt like well, I had a, a fever. And um, I, went to, uh, I went to bed straight after qualifying, which is like five o'clock in the afternoon. Right. I said, oh, I just need to go to bed, just sleep it out and I'll be all right in the morning. And... I woke up about 10 o'clock and my girlfriend, Natalie, who sat down here in the minute, she'd, um, she'd got my parents round. They weren't happy with me and they all called down for an ambulance and next thing I was being carted off to uh, Chichester Hospital. Bloody hell. 
and turns out an infection on you. Yeah, they, they took a, to be fair, they were, they were pretty fast with it. it. Took a load of blood out of me and did some tests and turns out I had a, a kidney infection. Right. So they admitted me to hospital then overnight, put me on a drip and gave me some antibiotics and stuff. And then um, obviously everyone's thinking that's it, weekend's over, whereas obviously I had different ideas. Right. <laughs> um, and you, you crept out at what? I actually, I actually got out at midday. Bang on midday, they let me out. Were they keen on that or not? Not particularly. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> Were you running out with your arse shut on one of them yeah. things? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Right. I mean, the race started at half past one. Um, so you're on the grid for quarter past one. So you need to be in your leathers really kind of ten past at the latest. Or you can be in them at quarter past if you like. So I'd already kind of warned the doctors in the morning that by midday I needed to be on my way. Right. Um, and I was feeling a lot better in the morning. I'd gone into hospital with a temperature of nearly 39 degrees, which is not ideal. Um, and by the morning, I was nearly at 37. So I'd already kind of yeah. come down a lot. I felt much more normal, whatever normal is. Yeah. Um, and decided I needed to race, you know. I mean, for me, because I'd had such a tough start to the year, Thruxton was a pivotal part of my season. If yeah. I either went well at Thruxton and got a couple of podiums and kept the championship alive yeah and if i didn't then pretty much the pretty championship much, was done right. so and i explained that to the doctors <laughs> who clearly uh, then by then they probably want to do a brain scan yeah probably yeah <laughs> good job they didn't yeah, yeah. shining the old torch in and, yeah. Yeah. anyway you did remarkably um and it kind of made headlines more than the racing really you've dragged yeah. out of hospital back on the bike and on the podium yeah so literally I, I got nat to come and pick me up at midday i literally left at midday it was about half an hour ish back to the oh, circuit well, Nat didn't do the speed limit. I wasn't driving. Right, right. right. Uh, we got back to the circuit about half past 12. Then the circuit medical staff have to assess me. They were also not keen on me riding. So what did they, just temperature and things? Yeah, they? temperature, and I was 36.8 or something okay. at that point. So I was coming much yeah. more normal, yeah. um, which was good. Yeah. But they were still not keen on letting me go. Um, so I had to do a lot of convincing then as well. And I got out of there about 10 to 1. So I had about 20, 25 minutes to... Get back to the motorhome, get some food down me and get out of my leathers. Wow. Um, and a shock to everyone, I guess, everybody involved, really, how you just yeah, um, through and got the podium. Yeah, no warm-up, nothing like no, that? No, no warm-up, no nothing. So I did literally the out-lap to the grid, the warm-up lap, and then raced. <laughs> um, I dropped back to about 13th early on and then made my way through all the way through the race. Yeah. Right. And... Um, same again, second race. Yeah, second race was much better. I had a much better grid position for race two. Um, so you qualify, and qualifying on the Saturday determines your grid position for race one. Whatever lap time you do in race one determines it for race two. So although my qualifying wasn't good for race one, because I was fast in race one, then race two, I think I started fifth or sixth or something. Right. Um, so I was much closer to the front. And um, yeah, I had the pace to pretty much win the race, to be fair, which I knew from Friday. I knew I had the pace right. to run. Right. Um, it just depended on how I felt. Um, the end of race one, I was tired. Um, race two, I was pretty good and right. finished second. So. Right. And fully fit now, do you think? I, I think, I think so. Should... Yeah, all right. Okay, you were saying that you kind <laughs> I think of... so, yeah. I was still ill at Cadwell. I wasn't very well at Cadwell. I was on the antibiotics, and I think that knocks it out of you as much as anything. Right. It kills all the bad stuff, or it kills the good stuff too. Right. So um, I was pretty rough at Cadwell, and my last antibiotic was on the race day, and then... Pretty much from race day onwards, I've got better. Okay. So yeah. I'm kind of wishing I'd stopped them before the weekend, but um, 
Um, now, uh, this weekend coming up, three races, but it, they've changed the track because of the debacle <laughs> from the Grand Prix, which yeah. I'm sure most of you will know they cancelled the British Grand Prix first time since 1980, I think it Something was. Something like that, wasn't I it? I was yeah. in that one, and it was literally... Snowing, wasn't it? Snowing, yeah. You couldn't get out, I couldn't get out of my caravan in the morning. It was like Salzburg in Austria, and we had a snowball fight instead of the Grand Prix, <laughs> which was probably about as dangerous. Um, so... Uh, just a debacle where it seems as though they've got an issue with the surface at Silverstone. Have you actually ridden it since it's been resurfaced? No, no, no I've not ridden it. And I don't think most of us uh, BSB riders have either. I think a few have been around, but nothing, no. nothing major. But, um, okay. yeah, I mean... So it now was, it's going to be on the national circuit. Which, which is, nobody's ever run. Haven't they? Ever? No, uh, no, right. no one. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. And it's only about a 50-second lap, but everyone's guessing because they don't really know. Right. But there's only like five corners, so it's not... Yeah. Um, no, there's not a lot. And there's a real big bump just as you cross over from Apparently so, the, yeah. the new to the old. Yeah, Apparently yeah, so, yeah. Is, I've yeah. I don't know yet. I'll yeah. find out on Friday. You, you will do on Friday, <laughs> the fir first time you get out there. So this is really the major event for everyone for the shooting Yeah, up. I mean, to be fair, the top five are fairly safe. It's really me and six that's... Um, who are you... Who, uh, so there's Bradley Ray in front, but he's about 33 points in front of me, so he's fairly safe. Unless he DNFs all three races and I'm somewhere right. at the front, then he's yeah. pretty pretty well in. Yeah. Um, I only just got into the top six at Cadwell, right. although I wasn't very well. I had a seventh and a fourth, and right. my nearest rival, who was sixth, DNF'd in race one, which is Danny Buchan, right. and he was eighth in race two. So, okay. um, so he's obviously a big competitor. You yeah, so he's only seven points behind me. And then Christian Iden's eighth, and he's only 15 points behind me. Okay. Well, there's three races, so there's 75 points up right. for grabs. Okay. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting gonna weekend. Be an interesting Especially weekend. on a shorter circuit, because it means you're going to have to scratch a lot more, and yeah. the race will be really close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that well, should be interesting. Uh, on Eurosport this weekend, if you want to watch it, you can watch what Peter's up to yeah. going on there. Um, and then those final three rounds, any circuits that you'd like, dislike? Actually, all three of them are really good for me. Right. The last half of the year, really, of the British Superbike Championship is generally pretty good for my style and also the bike as well. So we, we go to Alton Park straight away from Silverstone to weekend after. Right. I'm usually pretty strong at Alton. We then go to Aston, and that's pretty good too. Hey, well done with that picture. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. And then, um, and then Brands GP at the end, which everyone loves Brands GP. It's a fantastic circuit, so... Trooper, good stuff, is it? Yeah, um, I, do you know what? I shouldn't really say this, really, but I'm not a beer drinker. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, Trooper's really nice, yeah. All right, we can all be, you don't drink it. <laughs> Go out and buy it, because you'll carry on with your sponsorship. That's actually from the tour T-shirt from, um, from last year, that was. Okay. You can see that's where they got Newcastle, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dublin. They're all the places that they were, they were touring to. Um, and that was their tour T-shirt from last year. Oh, OK, all right, cool. How did that come about, out of interest? Friend of a friend of a friend. It was a. It's oh. kind of. I guess with most things, even in life, isn't it? It's it's who you know, not what you know. It's actually um, about what you know about who you know. Ah uh, well. <laughs> that, that, that really. That's really yeah. the key to it. Yeah. Yeah. See, every day's a school day. Yeah, yeah, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine was just trying to help me get some sponsorship. Uh, I had the MV from Jack Valentine at the time, but I had no way of running it because I had no money for it. Jack was nice enough to give me the bike and say, "Look, there's the bike. There's all the kit." You run it, but, but you can have everything for free. Okay. Um, but obviously it still costs money to run. Um, she was trying to get us some, some help. She spoke to one of her friends who's in the food and drink industry. He has no clue about bikes whatsoever, but all she said was, look, it's for the Isle of Man TT and he wants some sponsorship. So he went, yeah, no worries, next event I'm at, I'll chat to a few people. 
he went and spoke to Robinson's Brewery, and he knew somebody at Robinson's Brewery called David Bremner. Um, they said, oh, how are you doing? Nice to see you. And obviously not seen him for how long or whatever. And he said, oh, I don't suppose you're into doing any motorsport um, sponsorship, are you? And David went, yeah, actually, we're just looking at doing something with the Isle of Man TT. Have you heard of it? And he went, that is exactly what I was about to ask you about. I've got no clue what it is, but here's some details for you. David emailed me. I emailed him straight back and told him what the deal was. He then sent it to Phantom Music, which is the band management for Iron Maiden. Um, because obviously Trooper is owned by Iron Maiden, it's their own brand. Right. Robinson's brew it for them, but um, it's, it's Phantom's or Iron Maiden's right. okay. uh, brand. The lady's desk that it ended up on is the PR girl for Phantom. She's a biker, owns a Triumph. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It, couldn't, it literally yeah. couldn't have gone any better. I hope you rushed out and got a lottery ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so she literally went to her bosses, we need to sponsor this lad here. So, um, and I'm the first person, or I was the first person they ever spent money on advertising. Because oh. okay. they never really had to, because they've got Iron Maiden, they've got sure. millions of fans all over the globe, they don't really need to advertise, mm. but mm. they quite fancied doing it. They got three, at the time they had three pubs on the circuit, the railway at uh, Union Mills, um, there was the Craig and there was another one somewhere, right. all on the circuit, all selling Trooper. It just, it just absolutely fitted absolutely at the right nailed, time. And that it? was in May, right before the TT. Right, beautiful. And is this PR girl with a Triumph still there? Yep. Right. Um, Hence why I've... <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got your young lady. I was going to say marry her, but no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, right. Well, that's, that is like, it generally never ever happens, does it? Yeah, that, pretty much. It, it um, kind of usually gets to the 90% and then something drops off and yeah. it doesn't really happen. Oh, and good, you normally so don't even get to the, the people you need no, to talk to. No, you know, no, if you no. go to a company and imagine trying to get Tesco's involved or something, how yeah. do you even find the right person? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the companies are so big that you yeah, just sure. never get no, there. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we're going to start with some questions because I know lots of you out there have got a number of questions that you'd like to ask Peter. As you well know, he can answer pretty much everything you'd want to know about <laughs> motorcycle racing in virtually every form. Just another last question for me. World Superbikes, would it interest you? Yeah, I mean, the problem with World Superbikes is the racing, isn't it? Yeah. Because the actual where they go and the bikes that they're riding and all the rest of it is mega, but mm. the racing is just a bit boring, isn't it? Mm. I have but, to say, um, it, hasn't, it hasn't actually been stunning... Uh, recently. Well, the problem is you know who's going to win before you well, start. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I can't believe Dorna didn't nick Jonathan Ray yeah, somewhere take on the road, out, yeah, take yeah, him yeah. out, and then have some great racing, yeah. wouldn't you? Because so everyone else is pretty close. So it's dominant Johnny's in there. So yeah. It would have made sense, considering they own both championships, it would have made a lot of sense from everyone's point of view to slide yeah. him across there, but it didn't happen. Right. We're here. We are here. Um, <laughs> questions out there. As I've said before, motorbike racing here, marital issues, I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> and a doctor. And a doctor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I just uh, say, first of all, Peter, it's been fascinating to listen to you. Yeah, Thank no, you very really, much. We're not done, but... <laughs> Now, the usual rules are, if I give you the microphone, you can ask the question. I'm going to start, though, this time. Right. You already touched on the MotoGP British Grand Prix, apart from Susie Perry on camera for five hours, which was a <laughs> bit of a bonus. Yeah. But even you can get tired with that. What are your thoughts as racers about the situation? Um, what I couldn't get over was how they waited all day, and at the best part of the day, they decided to cancel it. Anything to do with... Um, Giving money back, do you think? No, because actually it's going to cost them an absolute fortune. Yeah. 
You know, Silverstone's going to massively lose out. But it wasn't Silverstone, it was the riders, wasn't it? Or the majority of the riders. Yeah. And the only thing, you might actually have touched on something, because they, they might have insured. There yeah, is okay. a way of insuring if you don't have a race. Yeah. So I'm just... Yeah, yeah. That's the, I think that's the problem why we're now using the national circuit, is to do with insurance, because how it got cancelled was the riders saying it was dangerous and the tarmac's dangerous. Yeah. So because of that... I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but obviously British Superbike will have their own insurance as well. And their insurance are going, hang on a minute, you go into a circuit that yeah. they're saying is dangerous. dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, What's yeah. happening? Yeah. There so, is somewhere, someone's head's going to roll definitely, somewhere. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, but why, I mean, Thruxton was resurfaced, and then why didn't they surf, resurface Silverstone in the same way? Someone you must have. You know, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Anyway. There's lots of fours and against all yeah, over the place. Absolutely. But <laughs> safety comes into it. Right, if we can have some lights up, please, so I can see. First question, please. Yeah, hello, guys. Thank you for that, Peter. It's uh, really informative. Uh, I just wanted to know, would you give up the roads for a World Superbike or MotoGP ride, or are the roads that your thing? Oh, tough question. I don't really know, to be fair. Right, from being it, a kid... It would I... depend on the contract, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It depends how much money they're offering. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say in a nice way. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, for World Superbike, uh, I don't know. MotoGP, I think you'd probably have to consider it a lot more. I mean, right from being a kid, all I've ever wanted to do was race MotoGP. Um, unfortunately, I'm too tall for it, really, more than anything. Um, you know, I'm nearly six foot two, so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work so well for me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. I've done one World Superbike race, which is really good fun. But, um, what, um, but the exhilarator... I know, that's the, the thing, the, isn't the it? The exhilaration not, you get from the roads. Yeah, it's not even just about contracts and money and all that. I didn't go to the TT because of money. I went to the TT because I wanted to keep riding bikes. And that was the big thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, the financial help, especially when you start winning, is good. But it's still nothing like what it should be. Like, for example, um, you lead every... Because it's done per lap as well at the TT. So for the, for the senior... Um, I didn't lead, obviously I didn't lead for the majority of the laps, so I didn't end up with the most amount of money that you should earn. But if you lead every single lap at the senior and you win the race, how much do you reckon that you win? What, hazard a guess, what do you reckon you win for a senior race? Shout it out. Shout out. 20 grand. 20 grand, yeah, you're about right, 18 grand it is. Mm. Well, bear in mind, you've just done 226 mile, and obviously I did 135 mile an hour. I've done it for five years to be able to do that, 18 grand's nothing, is no, it? No, it's not by it's comparison. Not, not, in, not in comparison of somebody who no. sits at home with a footballer and sat there on a Monday and probably earned 50 grand doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've got yeah. a... Uh, and then uh, rolls around on the pitch on the, on the yeah. Saturday. We've got another but question. But then in fairness, I've seen you with a football, so <laughs> stick, <laughs> stick another to Another question at the back here, Peter. Right. So, yeah, I, sorry, to answer your question, I don't really know. I'd have to wait and find out if that ever happens. OK. Thanks, Peter. Um... You rode an exhibition lap at the uh, TT on the HP4 race. Mm. And uh, I understand you're not allowed to use that in a race, but if you were, what, what do you think you'd do with it? Well, you could use it at the TT, actually. Um, you could use it in the Superbike race and the... Well, technically, really just the senior, but they'll let you run it in the Superbike race because they'll let the RCV of um, Bruce's... And, um, and the Norton. And obviously the Norton, which isn't even a production bike, so... Um, you could technically race it there, and I know they were trying to get Michael to ride it this year, Dunlop, uh, with Tycho. They had the bike there. I don't know why he didn't ride it, or if he did one lap on practice in it. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'd never sat on the bike before until I did that demo lap, 
Um, but for me, it felt really, really good. Um, I have ridden it since on a short circuit, and it was good fun. It does more of what I'm trying to get my bike to do normally. Um, so it turns a little bit nicer. It's, it's a lot lighter. I was going to say, is that the weight that makes it turn? Or do you, I think they change the flex in it. They won't tell me exactly, but right. for, okay. for me, with what we have now, I'm always trying to, it always feels too stiff. Okay. I'm always trying to give more flex to get the thing to turn more. Right. Um, and it all, the, the HP4 race feels like it turns more. So for me, they've, they've changed the flex and kind right. of done what we're asking as races, but we can't do that. We're not allowed to take metal away from the frame. We can add, but we can't take away. Um, so our BSB bikes and, the, and the, the road bikes you're watching are the BMWs, completely standard chassis. You know, a lot of the Kawasaki's are braced, uh, the Aprilia's, you know, they're all, they all mess so about start, adding, adding metal. They start making weak them, and come by the yeah, way. Yeah, they, they start weak and get them stronger right. but in the right places. I'm sure if you started polishing tonight. <laughs> <you're> just... <laughs> keep polishing and keep polishing, eventually we'll end up with something nice. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a good bike to ride. Um, it did have 27 cameras on it, didn't it? Or something 17 like that. cameras. Yeah. Apparently that was a bit of a record. Nobody's yeah. ever had 17 yeah. oh, cameras It was on just it, like a Christmas tree of cameras. Yeah, it, it was, yeah. But uh, it was good to ride. You know, I, did, I probably did about 120 mile an hour on it and never sat on it before. It was brand spanking new. Zero miles when I set off down Braille. I had to bed the discs in. If you watch the lap, I was really steady at the at quarter bridge. Braddon Bridge and Union Mills, I was really steady. Only because nothing worked, because literally the discs were brand new, everything was all brand new. Um, BMW in their wisdom had polished the tyres because it had been on the stand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of WD. And... Yeah, yeah, so the, so the bike looked nice on the stand, but wasn't so good going down Braille at 150 miles. <laughs> So I was a bit steady to start with, but um, it still ended up, you know, a good lap. Yeah. Great. They're 80 grand, aren't they? Yeah, I think 70. They started off at 68 grand, were they? They might have gone up a little bit because the euro and stuff right. changes, isn't it? but they're about 80, 75, 80 grand. But then our superbike, the superbike I race week in, week out is 80, 85. Mm. And if you go and buy an HP4 race, you basically get the same engine. Yeah. You get all the electronics package. You've got a carbon frame, carbon wheels. Mm. You're getting more than what we've got. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's actually a good deal. <laughs> the, the turning bit, the carbon wheels must make a big difference. Yeah, surely. they must Are do, you allowed yeah. to run them in BSB? No. No. See, no. That, I reckon that would be a big bonus. Yeah, it should change the direction, yeah. it'll make it fast. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually the, the, the turning that I want okay. more. Right. I want right. it to turn tighter. Right. Okay. Where are we lost, I'm, Steve? Um, I'm over here. While I'm at this end, there'll be someone way over the far <laughs> side yeah. right there. Of course, yeah. Uh, firstly, congrats on the senior win. Thank um, you. It was fantastic. I never thought I'd see a 135. But I just wondered whether the mistake you made at the Superstock <laughs> gave you the confidence to think, actually, I can go that quick. Yeah, a lot of people have asked that. Um, <laughs> my, my, first, um, my first lap in the Superstock race, I went straight on at Braddon Bridge, which was not the cleverest idea I've ever had. Um, was that a pad? It must have been an issue. It wouldn't be you. Um, brake pad. <laughs> it's definitely no, a bike it's problem. It's never a rider. Yeah. No, what was... I, I just uh, braked myself a little did bit. You, I didn't feel like I did, but I got on the brakes and thought, oh dear, I'm going a bit fast here. Um, and I, I, was, I was in two minds. I, I actually felt that I probably could make the corner. Um, but the, uh, you've got two chances, haven't you? You either throw it in and you make the corner, or you throw it in and you don't make the corner. The consequence of not making the corner far outweighs making it. So for the sake of maybe crashing, maybe not, the safe option was to go straight on, stop, turn around, three-point turn, back again. So it was a slow one, because you had to go back around the tree, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and they made, yeah, the marshals actually made me go around the yeah. tree. And I think yeah. I was quite lucky that I didn't have a number 11 behind me, so there was a 20-second gap behind right. me, because yeah. Brooks, who was number 11, didn't 
end up running the superstock race. Um, so I ended up with a 20 second gap behind me. If there hadn't have been, I'd have probably had to wait for that rider to go sure. through as well. Right. It was about 11, 12 seconds that I had when I spun round. So, um, and, and actually people said, oh, did, were, you, were you then more aggressive or did you try harder because of it? I actually did the opposite. I think the reason I made the mistake is because I was always quite, I'm always steady on the first half a lap, especially at the TT. Especially the first few miles, and I always turn it, I always take my time, and everyone always Plater's always ribs me about it all the time. Um, but I'm I'm the kind of person who would prefer to err on the side of caution. Yeah, sure. You know, we start the TT races. We, we don't have a warm up lap. We don't have a sighting lap. We don't have a warm up in the morning. You literally set off down Bray Hill after having 48 hours off and you're immediately doing 185 mile an hour down Bray Hill. Mm. So for me, I always like to give it a few miles and go, yep, all right, the bike's all right, now I'll go. But by that point, Dean and Michael Dunlop are six, seven, eight seconds in front. So I was always kind of getting, I say Plater was always ribbing me about it, saying you need to get going, you need to get going. So on the Superstart race, I was like, right, I'll get going. Immediately made a mistake. <laughs> So I then kind of went back the other way and went, right, just sort your head out. The race is probably done because I, I didn't know how many seconds I'd lost, but I knew I'd lost a lot of time. I thought, just forget about that. Get your head down, hit all your markers, hit all your points, and let's just see where we end up. And by the end of the lap, I was third. And by the end of the second lap, I was leading. Mm. So I don't know what they were messing about. Huh? But... Uh, a, bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a bonus for me. We've got another question right next door. So there you go. Uh, Peter, this year you're the world's fastest road racer at TT. Last year it was Dean Harrison at uh, the Ulster. Which of the two circuits is, would for you be the easier to try and go and beat it, beat your record and get fastest for next year? Good question. Um, the difference really is it's, faster to go, it's easier to go fast at the Ulster because it's shorter. So there's not so many corners, so there's not so much to learn. So for every lap that you do, it's a shorter amount of time before you come back to it. At the TT, like we've said earlier, 270-odd corners or 60 corners or 250, let's say. If you do four laps, you've only done each corner four times. And you've ridden for an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. Whereas you ride for an hour and 20 minutes at Dundrod, you'd have done, Christ, 50-odd laps. Mm. So you've done each corner 50 times. So you learn where the limits are much faster. And that's why I, when we have lots of practice, so for example this year where the weather was really, really good for the entire two weeks. Everyone got loads of laps in. You get to do each corner a lot more times. So it means that all the corners that you're normally really good on, you already kind of forget. And all the corners that you think, I've got some margin there, or I need to learn how to do this better. You've got time to do it. Whereas a lot of the time, you don't get that. So, and I think for me, that's why the TT was a lot faster this year than what it had been before, as well as the amount of rubber on the track and all the rest of it. It's just the amount of time we had. One last question, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone to be last? I bet someone right at the back. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right yeah. The as far as you could possibly I must just say, Steve, I really like your waistcoat. Thank you I very much. If I, if I win the lottery, I might get one of them. You've, I think, you've got, you've I got think, more money than I can even I think of. I think, uh, <laughs> I think three numbers should do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You do want to come back, don't you? <laughs> now, where was this gentleman at the back? Right. This will be the last question. Thank you very much. Um, a very interesting talk. Uh, very easy question, I think. Um, I go to the TT regularly, 
and spectate from a wide variety of places, but which corner or where would you spectate from if you were spectating? Easy answer. I send everyone to it. All my mates I send to it. Um, Nat's not got there yet. She probably doesn't want to get there. No, but, I wouldn't um, go there, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a corner just seven miles in. It's called Gorsley. Um, you can sit up on the wall. There's like, there's... Um, Harold's Cottage. It's Harold's it? Cottage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's called Gorsley. It's just after the seven mile marker and it's unbelievably fast. You can sit on the wall and if you go like that, you will hit touch us and we're doing about 170 on the superbikes through there. Um, we don't we don't break for it. We approach at 170 odd mile an hour. We literally roll to just get a bit of weight onto the front and then turn in and hit the gas again. It's a double right-hander and you can sit on that wall and it's unbelievably fast. It's so close. The closer you are to the wall, the better because then you open up the corner more. Uh, just to let you know how kind of, um, if you like a bit of an adrenaline rush, I took Mark Webber there, not this year, the year before, and he says, there's no bleeding way I'm sitting on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of, that's that where it's at. It and it yeah. is a fantastic spot. You can get to it when the roads are closed. Yeah. It's a long way round. You go around the back or kind of to the south side of the course, running parallel with the road, the track that runs along to Ballacrane, and it is very spectacular. And you can get a cup of tea there. Yeah, there's, there's toilets there, a cup of tea, cakes and all that, so it's perfect. Yeah, it is brilliant. Yeah, I'd recommend that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Hickman and <laughs> Steve Parrish. Thank you. Um, it wouldn't be right if I, when I came here last time uh, with Freddie and uh, one or two people wanted books and one or two people I ran out so I have brought a few books along if anyone does want anyone later on I'm happy to sign them and we've got a van load outside <laughs> and, um, yeah. haven't we got an auction we have but first of all something quite special Peter I know we chatted over uh, supper you were here with your father probably 20 years ago. Yeah, about that, yeah. Do you want to make him really jealous? Because <laughs> I'm going to give you a piece of the original track. track. 1907 oh, track. Very oh, nice, too. Pleasure that, my man. Thank All right. Much. OK. All right. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to use Steve's line. His bit was bigger. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's not many people going to get excited over a bit of concrete. No, 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 no. no. That's we good. still do. Yeah. Yeah. Um,